recorded live. Good evening out there, Radio Land. It's time for another exciting episode of the NGSC West Recess. It's Wednesday night, it's 8 o'clock, and we're here to rock with you and give you the greatest happenings about what's going on here on the West Coast. You know me. I'm your, I'm your favorite guy. I'm Raider Rome, a.k.a. the Sports Butler, a.k.a. Raider Fabulous, and I'm here to help you fight the West Coast bias, you know, because we here on the West Coast, we are the most underrated of the lot. You know, our game starts super late. People don't watch us too much. They think our teams are soft and flashy and things like that, and that's what we're here to do, try to shine light on that and fight the West Coast bias one show at a time. But as you people know by now, fighting the West Coast bias is never a one-man operation, so I'm here with the one man that I actually do trust, my partner in crime, one Josh Matson. How are you feeling tonight, Josh? I am feeling good. Um, How are you doing this evening, Jerome? I'm feeling marvelous, man. Ready to fight that bias. I got my boxing gloves on, and we ready to roll, man. So how, how was your week this week? Uh, overall, it was it was decent. Um, uh, today was kind of bad as far as fantasy baseball goes. <laughs> Bryce, oh, Harper got thrown, Bryce Harper getting thrown out killed me today, but that's okay. <laughs> so yeah, that Bryce Harper. I mean, that Bryce Harper situation was really crazy. I actually got to see what happened. All he did was stick his foot in the box. And they threw out the game. It was like, what the hell? <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. It, it killed me in draft. Uh, I was in a tournament, and it killed me. Uh, anyway. Yeah, that's wild, man. And speak, speaking of DraftKings, we'll be right back with your weekly program, but we have a word from DraftKings. So we'll return very shortly. This is the NGSC West Recess. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. While waiting until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stand in the salary cap, and you can be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds and thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Think for a minute how you could make the difference in the life of a pet who's not known what it's like to be in a home or loved. A stray who's been abused, neglected, and is now waiting for a home in your local shelter. Sometimes you think you're doing them a favor, but when you adopt, you're the one whose life has changed. Adopt. A message from the Northeast Animal Shelter in Salem, Massachusetts. All right, Ray Rome here, and we're back. We're ready to get it going. Josh, tell us a little bit into that situation with Bryce Harper today. I know that probably cost you a lot of money, potentially. <laughs> oh, you want me? Yeah, yeah go Wait, ahead. Walk us through that. Oh, uh, well, he there was a pitch that was low, and he, he didn't like it, and he started. You know, he just acted disgruntled, and he stepped out of the box, and um the ump seemed to have taken offense and stepping out of the box and then ordered him back into the box and he 
made a, like a false step towards the box, like a mocking type step, and he just threw him out. And there's all these fans in, at, at the stadium that are there to see Bryce Harper play baseball, and this umpire is losing his mind throwing him out. And he's also killing about every fantasy baseball uh, player out there who's playing uh, because he's on almost every team right now because he's been hitting like crazy lately. So it was a bad deal. Um, he, this um, this loss is mine in my opinion, but anyway. <laughs> Sounds like a up on a power trip over there. I mean, I wasn't one of those people that had Bryce Harper, but I would have been highly pissed myself if a situation like that ended up costing me some DraftKings money tonight. You know, gambling as hard as it is already. And when you take away one of the big bets, I mean, it just it just makes your um, situation that much tougher when you try to enter one of those big time tournaments. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it pretty much ruined my night. So <laughs> that's all I can say about that as far as fantasy baseball goes. Yeah. Well, speaking of people having a bad night, I mean, the Atlanta Hawks they seem to be having themselves a tough outing themselves. Not only are they about to lose this game one to the Cleveland Cavaliers, looks like they've lost Damari Carroll also with a serious knee injury. I mean, that that play didn't look too good. Non-contact, he went down, couldn't put any weight on the knee. So I think this may be the swan song for Atlanta, although they have fought back valiantly to cut this deficit to six with about 20 seconds left. I don't, I don't see any way they can win this series. Uh, oh, uh yeah, I, uh, I, from day one, thought Cleveland would win <laughs> the East. So, um, Atlanta's played good. I mean, Teague's a good player. Um, and uh, Schroeder has been playing pretty good, too. Uh, Carroll getting hurt is definitely a big, big hit to the um, Hawks. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Uh Cleveland's probably got this in the bag, especially if Carroll's out, because he's one of their main main offensive weapons for sure. And he's good defensively, too. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, before before this happened, I thought Atlanta could get probably two, three games in this series. But now I'm starting to probably think Cleveland's going to put the broom to him. You no longer have a perimeter defense to stop LeBron James, and he's just going to pretty much run unimpeded through whatever Atlanta throws at him. So, I mean, that that's kind of a raw deal for the Hawks. But I'm still going to go ahead and say the Golden State Warriors are going to probably end up taking it all. But we'll talk about them at a later time. It's about time, it's about time for us to do what we do every week. About It's time for Josh to let us know about the happenings on the track this week. So I'll let you go on and lay that on us, Josh. What's going on this week in track news? Uh, okay. Uh, NASCAR-wise, this weekend they ran the Sprint All-Star Race. Uh, Denny Hamlin was the winner. It's pretty much... The all-star race is who wins, and that's really all that matters because that's what it's for, is for the winner. So Hamlin's the winner. Uh, he ran a good race. Uh, he took the last lap, and he won himself $1 million, over $1 million. So that's, you know, he's a good driver. So I was happy to see somebody like him win. I like him. Uh, I'm sick of a certain driver. So seeing somebody like Hamlin win with, a decent, decent night. Anyways, made the worth watching. Um, the 48 team at the Sprint All Star race was uh, caught on camera violating a rule. They were they were pulling away the side skirt of the car, which is the bottom 
out in part that when you take the turns, it can hit the hit the hit the ground basically. And I guess they were trying to prevent it from hitting the ground, which NASCAR of course says you can't do that because it could affect the car um, in a positive or negative way by moving it at, at any angle. So NASCAR said no, no to hit, uh, the 48 team. They warned them. Normally they just they just find them and that's it and they just deal with it. But they have decided just to warn the 48 team, which seems pretty lenient if you ask me. But that's what they did. Um, so this week's race is at Charlotte. Uh, it's the Coca-Cola 600. It's the longest NASCAR race of the year. It's 400 laps, 600 miles. Um, as you know, Charlotte's a 1.5-mile track. Last year's winner of the Coca-Cola 600 was, in fact, Jimmy Johnson. Um, I'm going to make a prediction of the race, and I'm doing this not just because I'm a fan of Casey Kane, but also because he's always run good at Charlotte. And everyone who watches NASCAR regularly knows he's one of the contenders at Charlotte. He won the Truck Series race this weekend, too. Um, so I'm taking Casey Kane. And now I'm leaving up to Jerome to make a pick for that race. Hmm, I think I'll go with Matt Kenseth this week. I don't know why. I just kind of got – he's been on my brain all day for some reason. I think I, like, had a crush on a girl back in the day that liked Matt Kenseth. I don't know. And another <laughs> interesting – go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. And another interesting thing, Just looks like the New England Patriots have infiltrated NASCAR, huh? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are a funny one. Uh, yeah, yeah. One other one other thing NASCAR related. Uh, they just released the uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame um, for this for this year, and um, notable uh, on it was uh, Terry Labonte, who won a championship in God, I don't remember what year it was, but he's the only guy to ever win a championship that I remember that didn't win a race the whole season. So. Um, it's cool to see Terry Labonte. The other guys that were inducted are just, you know, big wigs that I've never really heard much of. So that's the cool deal for um, uh, for, for Terry Labonte anyway. So and he's a good driver. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. How exactly do you pull that one off? Does you win the championship and don't win a single race? That's crazy to say. Yeah, it's uh, you run consistently in top five, which he did that year. I don't remember offhand what year exactly it was, but I do know that he he was consistently in the top five, kind of like what Kevin Harvick's doing this year, except Harvick is winning races on top of it. So, yeah. yeah that uh, is pretty interesting there. Yeah. Uh, looks, we have, looks like, looks like we got ourselves one more race to talk about here. And that is the Great American Race, the Indy 500. Take us through that one. Yep, it's the 99th Indianapolis 500. It will be on Sunday. It is at 12:15 Eastern on ABC. Last year's winner was Ryan Hunter Ray. I love the Indy 500. It's my it's one of my favorite sporting events of the year. It's it's just a I don't know a lot of memories. Like for instance, and. In, 2005, I um, when Danica Patrick was lead-in at near the end of the Daytona 500, and Dan Weldon, my favorite driver at the time, passed her for the win. And then, of course, in the second Indianapolis 500, I don't know if you ever heard this story, but and uh, Ralph De Palma was leading the race, and 
and his car broke down right before he took the white flag. And he was five and a half laps ahead of everyone else. <laughs> and he unfortunately couldn't get his car started. So Joe Dawson caught, made up those five and a half laps, won the race. But the cool part of the, the story is that De Palma pushed his car all the way around the track and finished. And I don't know where he finished, but I think that's always was a cool story. He just pushed his car all the way around. That's like almost three miles, so that's pretty cool. And then, of course, the one of the greatest Indy 500 races to me was in 2011. I don't know if you saw this drum or not, when J.R. Hildebrand crashed, taking the last turn, and Dan Weldon um, won the Daytona 500. J.R. Hildebrand... And the Indy, the Indy 500, Justin? Yeah, in Indy 500, my bad. And Hildebrand um, crossed the line on three tires, finishing second. But the the sad part of it was, is you know, Dan Weldon ended up dying in at Las Vegas in October of 2011. So it was a great memory because he loved the uh, I keep saying Daytona, I mean Indy 500. And so it's a cool deal. As far as this year's Indy 500, uh, the contenders are all seem to be starting out front from the starting lineup. I'm just going to name off some of the guys who who are definitely contenders, like Scott Dixon starting on the pole. He qualified at 226 miles per hour. Um, Will Power, another Penske uh, uh, car. Um, oh, Dixon's uh, Ganassi. Will Power is Penske. He, he's on the front row in the middle. Simon Pagano is on, on the front row, too. Tony Kanaan, one of the fan favorites of the Indy Racing Series, starting in row two. Elio Castroneves is always a contender at Indy. Um, a guy I kind of like, Sebastian Bourdais, starting in the third. Then Marco Andretti is starting in row three. The guy I mentioned in, from 2011, Hildebrand, who's trying to win his Indy 500 after his bad luck in 2011, is starting in row four. My my prediction for the win this year, Juan Pablo Montoya starting in row five. He runs good at Indy every time he's on the track. Last year's winner, Ryan Hunter Ray, starting in row six, and Graham Rayall is in row six, too. And last person I'm going to mention, uh, Simona de Silvestro, um, only female in the race. She's starting in row seven. She is going to be somebody to watch. She is an Andretti green car. So she definitely has the speed to stay up front, I would think. So my prediction is Juan Pablo Montoya. I don't know if you have a prediction or have a story about the Indy 500 or anything about it, but that is my prediction for the win. Uh, well, I'm saying those guys to sit there and they pour milk over each other after they win. So I always thought that was a rather bizarre tradition in its own, right? I guess I'll go with the pole sitter Scott Dixon to win. I mean, I don't get to watch too much Indy car racing, so I'll go. I'll go with him to win the race. Dixon's a good choice. He always runs good at at Indy 500. Uh, how many times did I say Daytona? Anyways, I don't know why I, I did that. Uh, but. I, only, I only noticed two, but I mean, who's counting, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just I'm laughing about it. But yeah, it's Indy 500, of course, and it's the best race of the year, in my opinion of any sport, so, as far as auto racing goes. Yeah, ain't nothing, ain't nothing wrong with that. 
hey, the point of this is we just having ourselves a good old time. You make a mistake, it's all right. Pick up right over it, and let's go. It's like, having, <laughs> it's like being a tank. Just ride right over the top of it. That's right. And that was our weekly NASCAR beat and our special Indy 500 beat. Josh still leaves me two to one in races, but I promise I will catch him someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one of us needs to win. That's what really needs to happen because we've been sitting on two to one for, God, a month now probably. <laughs> it's been about a month or two. It's been a minute. I think, yeah. I think the NCAA tournament was still going on last time one of us won a race. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Uh, well, up here now, we've got ourselves our weekly Major League Soccer beat here. We had some good action this week, and we actually had a Battle of Masters taking place this week here in Frisco. We had FC Dallas taking on the New York Red Bulls from Toyota Stadium. Two of Major League Soccer's best teams, they played to a 0-0 draw in Frisco, both earning a point in what was a defensive struggle right from the start. Both of these teams only managed three shots on goal each. The Red Bulls managed the time of possession, but at the end of the day, both teams did walk out with one point. So not really much to say about this match here. I mean, you'd think it would have been more of an exciting, yeah, the best in the East, taking on the best in the West. But Dallas will embark on a five-game road trip starting next Saturday against Montreal, while the Red Bulls will host Philadelphia next Sunday. FC Dallas remains at the top of the West, while the New York Red Bulls are currently third in the East. Your thoughts on this match, Josh? Well, um, for the – well (laughs) – I can say a lot about the game. I mean, it's a, it was a good defensive battle if you enjoy those type of games. I know that you don't specifically, but a lot of the soccer purists probably enjoys a game like this. It was defensive, and and the two best teams well, – well, okay, definitely two of the best, top four best teams in Major League Soccer right now um, playing each other head-to-head. It ended up being, you know – not an exciting game, but it is what I expected, a tie game or something similar to that. So, no shock to me at all. Yeah, it sounds like they went really hard on each other. So, I mean, you'd have to really be a purist to enjoy that game. Me, I'm more of a casual kind of guy. But, I mean, I watch enough to know what's going on there. So, it was a decent match, though. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's kind of like a 7-3 game in football. But say you got on defense, <laughs> you got Buffalo playing the Jets or something, you know. You <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. On to our next one here at State Saputo in Montreal. We had the Montreal Impact, who were still winless, taking on the Real Salt Lake. Um, just Real Salt Lake. I'm sorry, they don't have a, a nickname yet. But in the 18th minute, Laurent Simon hit, hit the goal off a cross, assisted by Marco Donadale, to put the Impact ahead 1-0. Two minutes later in the 20th, Andres Romero put one over Nick Romando, who came off his line, to put them ahead 2-0. And that goal was, a, was assisted by Ignacio Piatti. Romero strikes again in the 29th, this time scoring off of a rebound off of Nick Romando that hit the post, making it a 3-0 game. In the 47th, Real Salt Lake finally gets on the board when Devin Sandoval finds the far post from outside the box. This, his goal was assisted by Luis Gill and Luke Mulholland, cutting the lead to 3-1, to giving Real Salt Lake a small glimmer of hope, although in the 78th, it was snuffed out by a guy with a really interesting name here, Billy Duca, on a cross tipped out by Nick Romando. He beats Tony Beltran to the ball, putting it in the back of the net, putting putting the final score being four to one. Uh, that's a name I won't forget for any time soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of like Kaka. 
<laughs> Both teams will be at home next Saturday, May 23rd. Montreal will be playing the last of three straight home games as they host SD Dallas next Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, on MLS Live and on TVA Sports. While we also Lake will have their first ever meeting with New York City SD the same night at 10 p.m. Eastern on MLS Live. While Montreal did earn their first win of the season, they're still sitting 10th in the Eastern Conference, but it's a start. We all saw Lake, however, looks like a team on the decline, and they have fallen all the way to eighth in the Western Conference. We got ourselves, next up, we got ourselves a Cascadia rivalry showdown, and I'm going to let Josh go on and analyze that one for you, Vancouver versus Seattle. Sure. In the fifth minute, Chad Barrett um, scored a pretty nice, uh, well, it was actually a great pass by Clint Dempsey. Uh, he put it past David Usted to the right-hand corner of the goal. Um, he had came off his line and... It was pretty much if yeah, Elston didn't make it to the make it to the ball first, it was gonna be a bare goal, and that's exactly what happened. Um, so nice pass from Dempsey and Barrett with the goal, and Barrett would get in on the action again in the 38th minute, where he would score a second goal of the game from a ball from Marco Papa, and he'd be ousted to the far post, and it was. Uh, two nothing a game at that point, and they would Seattle would go on and to win the game two nothing. Um, Vancouver's has a busy month ahead. They continue their NASL side against FC Edmonton on Wednesday for the second leg of their Amway Canadian Championship semifinal before traveling to Colorado to take on the uh, Rapids in Major League Soccer. Duty three days later on uh, uh, Turner Sports Network 2 or MLS Live, and I don't know what local East station. I don't think there is a local. And Seattle will head home after three games on the road to face Sporting KC. Sporting KC just got done kicking my uh, the tail of my favorite soccer team here tonight, uh, the Revolution 4-2. So they are coming off a win as of tonight, which is a good win for scoring KC. So Seattle has tough competition um, on Saturday evening. Uh, Seattle's now third in the Western Conference, stands right behind Vancouver with a two-game differential. Uh, Seattle has two less games played, I'll just make that clear in case anyone doesn't understand what I meant. So technically speaking, Seattle should be able to pass Vancouver career pretty soon. Yeah, man, they do what they're supposed to do, they'll be all right. Uh, yep. This, we're getting close to that midway point. And I actually saw heard something pretty interesting. I hear they're building another soccer stadium out here in L.A. for the new L.A. team that's supposed to start playing here in a few years. So it'll be interesting to see. Maybe these, maybe Los Angeles FC will be a more worthy rival than Chivas USA was. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, I actually, another major league soccer memo, uh, I heard today that the, uh, I don't know the president of Major League Soccer went to St. Louis today to talk about starting a franchise in St. Louis here soon. So we might have some new teams on the way. Oh, yeah. Well, when the Rams get up out of there and they end up coming here, yeah, St. Louis is going to need something to do And while the Cardinals are done when it's not in baseball season, rather. That's a good point. Yeah, actually, they could probably end up – that's probably where they'll end up playing is that stadium there. Yep. Because I mean the um the dome isn't is only about twenty years old. But I mean you know, I'm sure these MLS teams they want a new soccer stadium. So we'll see how that yeah. goes in the future. 
Uh, up next here, we got ourselves a big-time West Coast matchup between the Houston Dynamo taking on the Portland Timbers at BBVA Copter Stadium in Houston. In the ninth minute, Will Bruin on a set piece just outside the left side of the box. He, he gives a, a beautiful cross to Brad Davis. Well, Brad Davis gave it to him, rather, and, and found the head of Will Bruin, who <laughs> headed it straight down to the back of the net, putting the Dynamo ahead 1-0. Man, I got to really start eating breakfast in a moment. <laughs> and then the 48th minute, we got Fernando ID off of a turnover at midfield that Valerie timed a perfect pass to ID who beat Derek their post to level the smash at one. The goal assisted by Diego Valerie. In the 75th minute, however, there's that man again, Giles Barnes. As per usual, Giles Barnes finds the, net, the back of the net off of a turnover in the box and a couple of back-and-forth passes between him and Lopez. He blasted into the back of the net for his sixth goal of the season. His goal was assisted by Lopez putting the Dynamo ahead 2-1. And in the 83rd minute, Will Bruin finishes off the timber in the 83rd, and his goal was assisted by Jermaine Taylor, Houston 3, Portland 1. Both teams are on the road next week with the Dynamo facing the L.A. Galaxy and the Timbers traveling up north to face Toronto FC. Houston is now fifth in the Western Conference, while Portland slowly is falling out of contention at ninth. Your thoughts on this match, Justin? Well, the first goal, Will Bruin, it reminds me of when I was in elementary school, uh, elementary playing on, you know, league, league soccer team. They were teaching us how to properly head a ball into the goal, and they always taught us to hit it down at the ground, and that's what Will Bruin did, so I guess it pays off. And, of course, Jal Barnes, uh, he's pretty much the best player in the league right now, I, I would say. He's everywhere. So Houston's actually surprisingly good this year and uh they're a team to watch out for they're when they score they, when they're playing good they're scoring a lot of goals so they're definitely a team to watch out for on other other side of it though Portland isn't playing good at all and I think they're like uh Real Salt Lake is on the decline so that's my opinion uh, well, we're starting to get to that point of the season where the teams are starting to separate a little bit. And Real Salt Lake in Portland, they better get on the train or they'll be left behind. Because, I mean, you don't want to keep losing and have nowhere to go, say, come July, August, and the playoff matches really start heating up. Next up here we got the L.A. Galaxy, my team, traveling all the way across country to the Citrus Bowl to take on the new kids on the block, Orlando City SC. In the 12th minute, Eric Avila scores a header off of a beautiful thought-out header pass from Breck Shea, giving Orlando a 1-0 lead. Rafael Ramos also assisted on this goal. And in the 34th, FC Orlando strikes again with Kyle Wasal Laren, Kaka beating the defender, fighting an uncovered Laren for the easy goal near post, putting them ahead 2-0. And it wasn't even done yet. In the 56th, Kaka himself on a PK beats Pinedo with a fake to the right and putting it left corner. And then a rather shocking result, it's 3-0. to zero. And it's still not over yet, though. In the 73rd, you got Darwin Siren deflecting a, pa- a shot attempt past Pinedo for a very shocking 4-0 result for the Orlando City FC. Um, I don't know what's going on with the LA Galaxy, but they better get it together, man. They got to hurry up and get um, Steven Gerrard back. And I'm not sure if... Um, they're, they're, oh, they're, um, Robbie King. Robbie King. Yeah, Robbie King, yes. Yeah. I'm not sure if he got in the game today, but we need him back quickly too if he's if he's still out with Ireland. But both sides. Uh, oh, go ahead. Is he, is he back yet, Dust? 
Yeah, no, I was going to say uh, Orlando <laughs> dominated that game. And LA Galaxy's defense has been awful the last few weeks. Um, they need to get it together. Um, they're going to be in the top six, but <laughs> they're not right now. I wouldn't say they're the favorites in the West right now. I would say Dallas, uh, Seattle, and, and even um, Houston would be teams that could definitely give the Galaxy a run for their money. But that's just what I wanted to say. Yeah, well, I just say on, on my end, it definitely does not look like the LA Galaxy are in any shape to defend their MLS title. So they definitely have to pick things up. They're currently seventh in the West, and they'll host Houston Friday night at StubHub Center on Univision Deportes, while Orlando will hit the road to take on the San Jose Earthquakes on Sunday at Avaya Stadium on Fox Sports 1 at 7 p.m. Eastern Sunday. Orlando, shockingly, has moved up to fifth in the East with the win. Not bad for an expansion team. And that's our weekly um, MLS soccer beat. Sure, we, we tripped over a few things, but, hey, Hey, you pretty much get the rest of what's going on here. We laid it out for you. Tune in next week for some more exciting soccer action. And we got ourselves here a pretty interesting um, second half of our show for you. We'll talk about the Western Conference Finals, and we got ourselves and we had ourselves a draft lottery yesterday. Tune in to see how that went and where and what we think is going to happen on the second half of the NGSC West Recess. I'm Ray to Rome. He's Josh Matson. We'll return very shortly. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds and thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Think for a minute how you could make the difference in the life of a pet who has not known what it's like to be in a home or loved. A stray who's been abused, neglected, and is now waiting for a home in your local shelter. Sometimes you think you're doing them a favor, but when you adopt, you're the one whose life has changed. Adopt. A message from Northeast Animal Shelter in Salem, Massachusetts. Welcome back here to the West Coast Recess here. I'm Ray Jerome, Jerome Butler a.k.a. the last Prince of Raider Nation. I'm here with my main man, Josh Matson, and we got ourselves a pretty interesting second half of the show for you. We're going to help you win some money this week. Remember, if you can't trust us and you don't go we go with, you don't like money. So without further ado here, and we also have the, um, before I forget, we also have some NBA draft lottery talk for you tonight also. So don't go away. It's going to be fun. I mean, we've only half begun. All right, no more singing. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're doing fantasy baseball. (laughs) Yeah, we're moving on to our fantasy sports segment uh, sponsored by DraftKings. And, Josh, 
tell us, how did your pitchers perform this week? My pitchers did generally pretty pretty darn well this weekend. Uh, the only exception to the rule was Michael Pineda, who was probably the first guy that I told you guys to start to actually finish in the negative. So sorry about that if any of you actually listened to me. But uh, Shelby Miller did amazing this weekend. He almost had a no-hitter. Um, I Almost, anyways. Um, so uh, overall, 233.1 points. That's pretty darn good, to be honest with you. Um, I know my high is 252 so far. Um, so we'll try to beat that this week. Uh, Thursday, I, on May 21st, um, Clayton Kershaw versus Madison Bumgarner. I like Kershaw in this matchup because Bumgarner is not striking a lot of people out lately, and he's given up a lot of hits. He's been winning games still. I don't know how, but I like the Dodgers. They're the better team. I think Kershaw will get run support, although <laughs> Kershaw hasn't exactly support when he's been out there pitching either. So, But the thing is, you can start both these guys and actually get quality points so don't don't be afraid to start two pitchers on the same in the same matchup uh, in a fantasy game because I've been doing it a couple times this week and made me quite a lot of points so uh, that might be a good idea but anyways Danny Salazar versus John Danks uh, Danks I think he's just he's terrible <laughs> um, <laughs> Jacob, <laughs> Jacob DeGrom uh, versus Jamie Garcia uh the Mets uh, haven't been playing, that been getting roughed up by the Cardinals here re- recently, but Degrom's one of the best pitchers. Although he's only four and four in the year, but he's been. I just like Degrom in that matchup, so that's why I'm picking him. Friday, May twenty second, easy pick: Felix Fernandez versus Marco Estrada. Doesn't doesn't need any explanation. Lance Lynn versus Chris Young, another one that doesn't need ex- explanation. The Cardinals. Um, and Lance Lynn versus Chris Young. That's easy. Scott Casimir versus Chris Archer. I usually am a big wagon rider of Chris Archer, but I'm going to switch it up this week because Archer, while he strikes out a lot, he's still getting up a ton of runs, so it's kind of scary. Uh, so I like Casimir in that matchup. On Saturday, May 23rd, Matt Harvey, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Poor guy, can't get any run support by my Met, so... Uh, he might not get the win, but he's definitely getting you 30 points a week still. So, A.J. Burnett uh, is getting roughed up this year. So, Matt Harvey, easy choice for that one. Chris Sale versus Trevor Maine, no questions there. James Paxson, I would never thought I would say this, but this guy is pitching good all of a sudden. Um, and I'm, I'm on board with everyone else saying start him until he starts, you know, stinking it up again. He's pitching against Mark Burrelle, who – is a consistently consistently average pitcher <laughs> is how I would put it. But he gets wins somehow with a 5.0 ERA. I don't know how he does it, but that's Mark Burley. But I like James Paxson in that matchup. Sunday, I love Michael Walker. He's one of the guys I probably will tell you every time I have a chance to say his name. He, he Starting him against Edison Bolquez, I would like to see Walker get more strikeouts, but... He is a good start. Jason Hamill has been pitching actually pretty good this year, and Hellickson is not living up to his hype for sure. So Jason Hamill over Jeremy Hellickson. That's a good matchup. Um, 
I'm not sure I'm I'm in 100% support of this pitching matchup that I chose here. Uh, I would just tell you to tread carefully when I say this next one. Jonathan Neese versus Francisco Lariano. I picked this because Lariano has been getting beat up. <laughs> but uh, I would tread, tread away from I would be careful with picking Jonathan Neese. He's been pitching pretty good this year, but you never know what um, – what guy's going to show up. So, so look, oh, sorry. Those are my pitching matchups for the week. Um, hopefully we can we pass the 250-point barrier. And I know Jerome has some hidden advice for everyone here. Oh, yes, I did. Last week when I saw you all, I told you I had a really stinky week. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Actually, got better last week. We had Ryan Zimmerman having himself a decent week with four hits, one RBI, six, I mean, six RBIs, one homer, three walks, three runs scored for 50 points. I mean, not great, but, I mean, better than what we expected here. And I told you to go with Paul Goldschmidt. I was kind of disappointed in what he put together because he, he's so dominant. He only batted 143 with three hits, one double, one homer, four RBI, 44 points. Now, this is the man you, you should have had in your lineup here every day. Jason Kipnis from the Cleveland Indians, batting 462, 12 hits, a couple of doubles, one triple, one homer, two RBI, two walks, and eight runs scored for a whopping 95 points. I'm sure that could have definitely helped you in your money endeavors. Next up, we got Josh Donaldson. He had himself an average week, batting 292, seven hits, a couple of doubles, a homer, two walks, three runs scored, 57 points. Freddie Galvis, another aver- a guy who played rather average this week, although I was kind of a bit disappointed because I liked what he had done the week before. But he, he batted three thirty-three, he had six hits, two RBIs, four walks, a couple of stolen bases, six runs scored, 52 points, not great, not terrible either. Denari Spann from the Washington Nationals, he had, he had himself a decent week also, batting three eighteen, seven hits, a double, stealing one base, a couple of RBIs and a run scored, although only 39 points. But kind of a small sample size, uh, he did get on base quite a bit. Talk about another man. Now, if you don't have this guy in your lineup every day, like like a certain host didn't today, that that's a complete moron. We're gonna go talk about Bryce Harper. Although I wasn't a moron today because he did get thrown out of the game. But when you hear these numbers, your mouth just might drop. Batting 500 last week, nine hits, one triple, three homers, one stolen base, seven walks. Eight runs scored, seven RBIs for an amazing 127 points. But I, mean, I don't have to tell you to get Bryce Harper in your lineup. I mean, even a monkey knows that. So, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> obvious there. <laughs> and finally, we got Shin Su Chu from the Texas Rangers, who batted 280. He had seven hits, a triple, one homer, two walks, and one RBI, and three runs scored for an average 56 points. So if you use these guys, you had a better week than you had last week. Now, my advice to you this week is go with go with a guy from the defending champion, San Francisco Giants, who's been hitting the cover off of the ball lately, Brandon Belt, batting four twenty nine in his last seven with three homers and seven RBIs. And I also suggest that you ride Jason Kipnis' hot streak. He's been batting four twenty nine. He's got 12 hits, a homer, and eight runs scored. Get him in your lineup because he still seems to be smoking a little bitty. And... This guy doesn't get to get to see, be seen too much because he's a rookie. He's one of those Cuban defectors, and he plays in the shadow of Paul Goldschmidt out there in the desert. Yasmani Tomas batting 500 his last seven 
with 11 hits, one homer, and three RBI. So every one out of two times, he's on base. So get him in your lineup. And another player who got off to a slow start this season but seems to be picking up things, Josh Harrison from the Pittsburgh Pirates, batting 464, 13 hits, two runs scored, and a couple of RBIs, and he's scored six runs. And another player from the Giants who's been lighting it up. He's actually got himself a couple of hits tonight also against the L.A. Dodgers, so he's keeping the fire burning. Brandon Crawford batting 381 with eight hits, two doubles, one homer, eight RBI, and eight runs scored over, over the last week. Get him in your lineup. He even has two hits tonight, so he's continuing to swing that bat. Next up, we got ourselves Adam Jones from the Baltimore Orioles, batting 381 with eight hits also, a double and a couple of runs scored. But he played well tonight. He had three hits, uh, I believe, against the Seattle Mariners. Now, this guy here, you don't see him too much because his team is arguably one of the worst teams in baseball, but he's been lighting it up this week. Ryan Braun, batting 350, seven hits, one double, a whopping four home runs, three walks, 10 RBIs, a stolen base, and four runs scored. So, man, with a week like that, sure, the Brewers aren't winning, but uh, you get Braun in your lineup, you'll be winning. And finally, we've got Miggy Cabrera from the Detroit Lions. Batting, I mean, Detroit Tigers. Up. <laughs> okay, now you can laugh at me now, Josh. You got me. <laughs> By the way, we've got Miguel right. Cabrera from the Detroit Tigers batting three ninety three this week. 11 hits, one double, one triple, four homers, three walks, six runs scored, and nine RBI. Yeah, I know. I miss football too, guys. Uh, give me a break here. But, yeah, give, give Cabrera in your lineup. He lit it up. He's been lighting it up this week. He didn't have a very good game today, but, hey, 393 and 10 RBIs over over the last week. That's the guy you want to get in your lineup there. And that's my hitting report for the week. Remember, if you can't trust us and you don't go with what we tell you, you don't like money. <laughs> we'll be back next we'll be back next week to get together and settle up and see how it all turned out. There's one guy I want to mention for hitting that that you, you mentioned almost every guy would have said. Uh Carlos Gomez. That's another guy who came back from injury and since he's came back he's been hitting the ball um since he got back. So uh he, him and Braun together on some of my fantasy teams have been really helpful so far. So it's just some advice. Hmm. Well, hey, ain't nothing wrong with a little friendly advice there, Josh. Yeah, get Carlos Gomez in your lineup too if he's not going to cover off the ball. Remember, we want you to win money. So, yeah, do, do make sure you do that. And last night we had ourselves a pretty interesting um, draft lottery here. We had everything pretty much seemed to go as it should. But there's one, t- there's one team who's probably crying right now. The New York Knicks, who many people thought would get either a one or two pick, they had the highest odds of getting the number two pick. They ended up getting knocked down to four, being switched up with my team, the Los Angeles Lakers, who jumped from possibly completely losing their pick to the Philadelphia 76ers to getting all the way to the number two pick. And I think this is big thanks for that rebuilding job in L.A. Uh, your thought, your thoughts on how the um, draft went um, so far, Josh. And oh wait, before we forget, the Minnesota Timberwolves are your number one team picking in the draft June 25th. Your thoughts on the Lakers Knicks um, draft deal? To me, I think it's ironic because <laughs> the, the Knicks have done everything possibly wrong <laughs> in the past two years. I would say that you could management-wise, so it couldn't happen to a better team. And just look at the Cleveland Cavaliers right now, Chumpert and 
J.R. Smith, they get they get out of that hellhole in New York, and now they're on a team that can actually win, and they're actually playing good. So uh, I think it's karma, man. <laughs> uh, c- cool deal for the Lakers to get the second pick. Uh, I think everyone's expecting to get top three, top four, well, obviously top four pick, but I, I think everyone thought they were going to get four, right? I mean, I guess that's the consensus, but... I was hoping the Thunder would get one, but that didn't happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, cool deal for the Lakers. Uh, do you have any predictions or uh, wants for who they might be targeting? Well, for me and right then, now, it, it, for me, it's kind of looking like the Lakers may go towards one of those two big men that Minnesota don't take. And Carl Anthony Towns is probably the better player for what the Lakers want to do. But I see him going to Minnesota to team up with um, Andrew Wiggins and create a devastating one-two punch that's going to get that's going to keep Minnesota competitive in the future. They just have to gather themselves a couple more drafts with young players, and they'll be right where they want to be in no time flat. From the Lakers, though, it's looking like Jaleel Okafor may possibly be the pick at Duke. And I think Okafor, right now, he's probably the more polished player and more NBA-ready. But the problem is, can he play with Julius Randle as they both like to play on the block? So one of them is going to have to set up their skills differently to make the team run better. Although basically Kobe Bryant is the CEO, proprietor, and king of the Los Angeles Lakers anyway. So he'll he'll make he'll make sure that they know their role really quickly. But right now I'm going with Jalil Logan for being the number two pick for the LA Lakers. <laughs> Sounds good to me. And I'll say at number one, Carl Anthony Towns. He'll probably end up he'll end up going to Minnesota. I mean that'll be pretty interesting though. Then at third, then at three and four, though, it gets rather interesting there. Philadelphia, I'm sure they're looking for themselves a, a franchise change in shooting guard. And guy and a guy like um, D'Angelo Russell can help them in, in that regard. You know, from Ohio State, he had himself a pretty interesting freshman year. Uh, he was one of the better freshmen in, in the game behind Kentucky's um, freshman team and Duke's Jaleel Okafor and Justice Winslow, who I think could also be a top six to seven type player. At times, he seemed to me like a better player than um, Jaleel Okafor. But I don't think the Lakers will do that. If they want if they want a player like Winslow, why not just trade down and get more assets? Now, the Knicks, though, this is a really, a really interesting situation. You lose the two big men that you need to play the triangle position. Your point guard situation is hell. So, I mean, what do you do it for? Do you draft Emmanuel Moutier or do you completely trade out of the pick? So, Phil Jackson, he's already got himself a really tough decision to make when he thought the draft would probably be the easiest thing for him to deal with. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the Knicks perform there. Then you got players with teams like Orlando and Sacramento. They could go probably international. If there's a player from um, Latvia named Port, Porzingis, he should play. He should be pretty well in the future. Or maybe the Kings could add defense along with Okay, uh, I think we lost Jerome, so I will carry on. I guess what we're are you are you back, Jerome? I'm still here, Josh. I'm going to work. Oh uh, well, we lost, yes, for sure. Uh, so we missed. Uh, last thing I heard was Charlotte. Um, Josh, thing. Yes. Okay, I, I I guess I got caught in the time space black hole continuum there, but I'm back, my brother. All right, cool. 
Uh, well, I was saying we didn't we didn't hear much of what you said after Charlotte. I think is where you, we lost you. Yeah. I don't say anything about Charlotte. I was talking about Orlando, but okay. <laughs> okay. All right. There you go. See, I couldn't even understand a word you were saying. <laughs> All right. Now, I was saying Orlando, they may go with that international big man Porzingis from Latvia, and he can help yeah. out what they're trying to do because they're pretty much set at guard and forward positions already. They just have to get a little bit more experience. Whereas Sacramento, they could use a big defender to put next to um, DeMarcus Cousins, such as a Willie Cauley-Stein. Big seven-footer can guard all five positions. I mean, there's not too many seven-footers that could do that. So that would help Sacramento immensely. So that would, would leave Denver probably picking up a player such as a Justice Winslow, and that could help their rebuilding process. Because, I mean, you need more athletes on Denver. you got Ty Lawson, but he really has nobody that he can run with and have a good time with. So. That would be my top seven picks in the draft. You got anything differently on your end, Josh? No, I I, I don't claim to be an NBA draft expert, to be honest with you. So it seems to me that, that these teams will <laughs> – a lot of these guys, I, like the foreign guys, I've never heard of. <laughs> so to be honest with you. But uh, I, I'm mostly interested in what the, my Thunder might do. <laughs> uh, so I think Kaminsky or Booker, if they made it to them, I think I think they would take yeah, them. Uh, uh, LA has the, it. Go ahead. Good thing for the Thunder is though they seem to have a lot of options down there at fourteen. You, you may get Kaminsky to drop to you, Devin Booker, or you may even have Sam Decker drop a little bit. I mean, I, I even like yeah. a player such as like Kevin Looney from UCLA. I think his athleticism could actually help um, play big dividends for the Thunder. You get them to come off the bench for the first couple of years, and everything will flow just as it should if he comes in with the mindset that he's ready to play basketball. So the Thunder, yeah. I mean, they're one of them teams that shouldn't be in the lottery because they, they, they just have options, you know. <laughs> they can do whatever it is that they want. Like, it's almost not fair, but, hey, I got, they hey. just need it. And you, you need a break. Yeah. What happened? <laughs> It was one of those years for them, for sure. Well, yeah, in hockey, the L.A. Kings kind of had one, you know. You win two cups in three years, you just need a little break sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. Speaking of the, speaking of the um, NHL playoffs, man, did you stay up late for that game last night between Chicago and Anaheim? I sure, certainly did not, but I definitely heard about it and read about it. Uh, it was a crazy game. Uh, it was a great game, actually. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've kind of adopted the Ducks this year since the Kings ain't in it, so I was kind of a little disappointed. But it was a fun game to watch. We even had ourselves a soccer moment in the second overtime when the guy Shaw headed the, the puck into the net. I actually turned the game off for a second because I thought they were going to allow that. I'm glad to see that they didn't allow, allow it. But it didn't matter anyway because in the third overtime, you, you had um, Marcus Kruger putting the goal in to give the Blackhawks the 3-2 to two win. And now they're going back to Chicago, nodded up at one. You got any predictions for how the rest of this series may turn out? Oh, that, I think that series is going seven games for sure. I, I think I think it's going to be an, a really good series. Uh, I don't know which way to lean. I said before the playoffs that I don't believe in Anaheim, so uh, I guess I have to say I probably think the Blackhawks will pull it out. Yeah, then they've got the championship experience, so it wouldn't shock me in the least. You know, they've had their battles with the Kings in the past, so Anaheim should be kind of easier. You know, 
I mean, I never want to down the rifle, but I don't think Anaheim has the experience to win at this level. Maybe next year, Chicago will probably beat them in about six games, though. But Anaheim is playing hard. They're showing why they were the best team in the West this year. Chicago is just more talented at this level. Yeah. Uh, so, Eastern, Eastern, Eastern Conference had a crazy game tonight, too. Uh, that went into overtime. Uh, Lightning won 6-5. to five. <laughs> So, uh, exciting playoffs. Hey, I, I, I wanted to ask, uh, one of our listeners wanted me to us to talk about the our opinions on the NFL rule changes. So I figure we should mention it real quick since we're getting close to uh, – Yeah, we are getting close to that time. I mean, kicking a 33-yard field goal from straight away is basically the same thing as kicking an 18-yard field goal straight away, if you ask me. I mean, having, yeah. a, kicker such as, having a kicker such as Sebastian Janikowski, I mean, this rule, this rule change doesn't affect Raider fans in the slightest. It may affect teams such as Detroit, Chicago, when you got to go out there in December in 8 to 10 degree weather and kick what's pretty much the equivalent of a brick 33 yards straight away. But yeah, please, well, I, I, I think by the time we get to probably the second week of preseason, we, we won't even notice this, you know. Well, what's your, what's your right. thoughts on it? Well, first of all, I think uh, so they're going to move it back to the 15-yard line, from my understanding, and the two-point conversion is going to stay on the two-yard line. Uh, my opinion is it's no big deal to me, but but I do think uh, I think what it's going to do is uh, I think we're going to see a lot more two point conversion attempts um, because law of averages says if you go for two points every every down, you might make fifty percent, and that equals pretty much what you would have got if you kicked that extra point anyway. So if that makes sense, so that yeah, does make sense. That makes a lot so, of sense, Josh. Yeah. So uh, but, I think we're going to see a lot of point two, uh, two-point conversion attempts this year. Uh, probably more than the average, you know. So, uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, any more than uh, 50% during a game is actually a lot of one or two points game that you, you know. So I like the rule in a way, and in a way I kind of just don't uh, – I'm kind of iffy on it too. I don't know. I think uh, I guess uh, who I think New England and who else came up with this idea? There was another team too. I, I believe New Philadelphia England. did also. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, I, I I don't I'm not in love with the rules just because New England came up with it. I just it's interesting anyway. So it'll be fun to see. Yeah, well, the New England Patriots didn't even cross my mind though. But there is one thing that I do enjoy about this rule. If you block a kick or you intercept the pass on a two-point conversion, you are now able to return it for a touchdown, I mean for two points, rather. So it kind of makes it fair for the defense also. That was probably the only yeah. thing that the, that the game was lacking. You didn't have defense. The defense was having an ability to return it. Yeah, I actually like that. Uh, I, I never liked that they called the play dead. It's uh, um, on a change to that or whatever. You know what I mean. So, uh, five minutes left. What, what do you want to talk about? Well, you got yourself a final random thought or anything on your mind? Oh, do I have a final random thought today? I I didn't actually have one. Uh, uh, I want this. Um, you know, this is to me. It's the it's the best 
I know you're not an auto racing fan, but to me, this is the greatest weekend of the year if you're for auto racing. You got uh, Monte Carlo in the Formula One, Indy 500 uh, in the in the mi- middle afternoon, and then you got a really long race at night uh, for NASCAR. So racing fans out there, it's a good it's a good day. And I should mention that DraftKings now has NASCAR and um, on their website, and I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard there's uh, some rumors that they might also be adding IRL for the IRL fans. So, cool deal for DraftKings users if you like NASCAR. Um, to me, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's easy, but if you follow NASCAR, I would think it's pretty easy to set up a, uh, a team every week. So, that's yeah, my I think I'm going to lose. I think I'll leave the NASCAR gambling to you, Josh. I wouldn't even know the first <laughs> thing to do to get started. Okay. Yeah. Well, you have a random thought? Yeah, well, just pretty much just one uh, pertaining to the show, really. You know, we, we've been together about three months now, and every week we're getting better and better, you know. And, Josh, I just want to say thank you. You're, you're a great co-host, man. You you work hard every week. I know, I know sometimes outside forces, you know, they, they they try to mess with you a little bit, but you you come in here, you go to work every week, you're always prepared, and 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 a co-host such as myself, I I need something like that around me. So thank you for working hard, and I think this is the beginning of a long partnership, you know. Oh well, I appreciate that. Uh, you work hard too to prepare for this show. I'm not the only one, and you do a good job running it. Um, I guess we should mention that you might not be here next week, or you, uh, or you may. <laughs> Um, well, I, I may not be in next week because my cousin, who is who's, who's always been like my little baby, he's graduating from high school um, next next Wednesday, and I've I've got to I got to be there for that one, you know. Man, oh, I remember when that guy. I remember when that guy could fit in my hands. Now now he's all grown up, you know, eighteen years old, moving on to college or whatever he does in the next um, part in his life. So I just want to say to my cousin Aaron, I'm proud of you. I love you. Go kick some butt in the world when you get out there. <laughs> I I agree. I don't know him, but I hope he succeeds in whatever he does. Uh, I'm sure he will. He, he's, a, he's a tough guy. He's got a lot of heart. So for myself, Raider Rome, and my main man, Josh Matson, this has been the NGSC West Recess. I will prob- I'll probably see you again in two weeks, or I may come in next week if I can get back early enough. If not, you know Josh Matson, he, he's got you covered. He's gonna he's gonna bring the fun for you, and we may have a co-host for you. I'll I'll get on that, and we'll see you next week. Good night, America. Good night. <laughs>